0: Welcome into the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. I am your host, John Neighbors. I am also the host of Out of Bounds on 1037 The Buzz, which you can catch every weekday afternoon from 1 to 4 right there on 1037 The Buzz and 1037TheBuzz.com. Also, visit our website at 1037TheBuzz.com for all the things going on with our station, any events, any promos, anything that you want to check out and going on with the great station of 1037. The buzz. I hope everybody had a wonderful weekend. I know I sure did for many different reasons, and we're actually going to have an interview with Phil Elson, the voice of the Arkansas Razorback baseball team, which was by far the most positive thing that happened from over the weekend. But I do have to start with the negative thing that, of course, happened over the weekend with the Arkansas Razorback basketball team dropping another game, another heartbreaker to Mississippi State at home where they lose at the buzzer, 78-77. You know, it's difficult To try and have a few Razorback fans, not a lot, but a few Razorback fans understand the situation that Arkansas finds themselves in. I can't tell you how many times I've seen people when I've gotten with discussions on social media just about how everything seems lost and how you're trying to make sense of it all you're trying to figure things out you're trying to figure out who to blame what the problem is why it's a problem now all of that and you're struggling because I'm struggling I'm struggling to really point pinpoint what's costing this team these games late because listen it's one thing if you just have a bad run of games or you're a bad team or you, you know, you get in a shooting slump, you know, it's one thing like that, but it's another thing where Arkansas again is finding themselves in position to finish games, to win games, win games that they should. And they fall short because listen, I fully believe that Arkansas is an undermanned team. They don't have the size. They don't have the playmakers. Isaiah Joe, their second best player, is out and looks like he's going to be out again against Florida tonight. I mean, there are problems. There are issues. There are things that need to be resolved. I get it. I understand it. I don't like it, but I get it. But when it comes to when Arkansas, like, first off, throw that all out. Because when you have a lead at home by one point with under a minute to go, none of that matters anymore. None of those things matter anymore. Because now you find yourselves where obviously you have played well enough to be in the lead of a game. And now it's up to you to finish it out. And for whatever reason, Arkansas keeps falling short. Now, you can look at this particular game against Mississippi State and say that it was because of Jalen Harris's errand to pass that ended up getting a costly turnover and an easy layup going the other way. Which, to me, that was the most egregious play of that. But that's part of it. Other part of it is... Uh, Mason Jones maybe not taking the most advised shot that you would have by firing up a three in in that regard. Maybe that's it. Maybe it's the fact that Arkansas couldn't get an offensive rebound, which we know that's been a problem, where Mississippi State got the put back at the buzzer and ended up getting the victory. It could be a lot of those things, or it could be all of them all at once. But let's be honest, folks. This team is still, no one wants to hear it, But they're still playing above, well above, their ability. Like, the fact that they were in that game with Mason Jones scoring 38 points is incredible. Truly is incredible. And it's no longer about, is this team good enough? It's about, is this team going to figure out how to overcome these obstacles that they keep running into at the end of games? I mean, if you think about it, I saw a crazy stat that of the nine losses from Arkansas, seven of them have been by five points or less. Seven of the nine losses by five points or less. Three of those games came in overtime, in which all three of those overtime games, Arkansas had the lead late, but couldn't make a play. Like, it's mind-boggling that we keep seeing this from this team, and so that's where it's like, I'm not discouraged, and I hope you aren't either. If anything, I am encouraged that Arkansas is even in these positions, given the circumstances of the lack of talent and the lack of height and athleticism that they have. But it's up to them to figure out how to ways to win. It seems like if there's a way for a play to go wrong, it's going to go wrong. If there's a way for Arkansas to miss a clutch free throw at the end, they're going to do it if there's a way for arkansas to give up an easy turnover in a basket at the other end they're going to do it there's always ways that people find to lose games but arkansas is finding it in ways that i haven't seen before even eric musselman said in his press conference afterwards he's like i've never seen anything like it in my coaching ever i've never understood it i've never seen it and we have just got to get back into it and figure out how to stop beating ourselves at the end of games. Because that's what it is. It isn't that, that other teams are just making the plays. It's so that Arkansas is giving them those plays. Giving them those opportunities to make those plays. And if you're, a coach, if you're a team that's well-coached like Arkansas, that's the most disappointing thing at the end of these games to see how it just goes awry. I'm not riding off Arkansas into any postseason play. I think the NCAA tournament is going to be dadgum near impossible at this point, unless they just went out, at least to give them a guarantee spot, maybe a play-in game at best. I think the NIT might be more likely of a scenario. But even then, it's still got – they got a lot of work to do. They got a lot of things they got to take care of too. So it's not a guarantee in any stretch. But – it's it's just one of those things where if you're an Arkansas fan, you question everything, you're wondering why everything is the way it is, and I get it. I totally get it. But what I also get is that this team is overco- having to overcome a lot of adversity, especially losing Isaiah Joe. They have to play near perfect. They have to play error-free basketball, and I just don't think that's very possible for them to do at this point. They have Florida tonight in Gainesville where – no player on the team was even born the last time Arkansas won in Gainesville. So I'm chalking it up to a loss as well, and then I'll drop Arkansas back down to 4-9. It's not ideal. It's not ideal. But what it is is it's progress, at least where you have guys battling through, learning how difficult this conference can be. And who knows? Maybe this could be the game that breaks all of that tonight. And if you get Isaiah Joe back on Saturday against Missouri, maybe that will open up some new things as well. But the last thing you need to do is to lose hope in this team or in Eric Musselman. Stop questioning so much. If you just look at the look at the facts, look at what's in front of you, you'll understand a lot more of it. So just be patient. See how things go. Just see how the team reacts, how the players react, and see if they get the victories and see how the season plays out. Wait till it's over and finished before you start casting judgment or start critiquing. Coaches and players should be judged by seasons, not by games. Let's see how it plays out because I have a feeling the end of the season is going to be a lot better than what we've seen the past two weeks.
1: You are locked on Razorbacks, your daily Arkansas Razorbacks podcast.
0: Let's welcome in the man and the voice of the Razorback baseball team, Phil Elson, on the West End Cigars Hotline. Phil, appreciate you joining us, man. How you doing?
2: I'm all right, John. I'm still a little winded from 108 points scored by the women's basketball team last night at (laughs) Ole Miss. So, yeah, I mean, uh, it's like who outscores who? Will baseball outscore basketball in a sense, right? Because these are two of the highest scoring teams in the country.
0: Yeah, I know. It was a big weekend for you, an exciting one and for both of those reasons. And I know we'll talk women's basketball here in just a second. But let's start with the Razorback baseball team. To me, Phil, I mean, this team, we know the expectation. We know the quality of players they have. We know the pitching. We we know this team, and they just went out and did exactly what they were supposed to do. But just from you and, and observing it, what was the thing that stood out to you and impressed you the most over the weekend for Razorback baseball?
2: Well, I was only at Friday's game, and what I saw Friday stood out to me. The, the call you had there, Franklin's home run, for me was, was the most important swing of the of the weekend um, because, I mean, look, Keston Kerstad had the kind of week where he gets named National Player of the Week, which he did by Collegiate Baseball, but you just sort of expect that he's going to hit because Kurstad is a hitting savant, you know, he's just, and he's gotten, he's gotten better at it. But somebody's got to take a big step forward this year for Arkansas to make it to Omaha again. And I've, I've been thinking Christian Franklin is the guy that can do that. And, and what he was lacking a little bit last year wasn't power, because I think he's really strong and has a, a nice, quick swing. It was the knowledge of how to utilize that power to start getting it high in the air and over the fence. And he did that on Friday against the guys. That EIU pitcher, Friday, uh, Will Klein, is is a prospect, a big prospect, actually. The kid was throwing up to ninety eight miles an hour, um, and and Franklin turned on that fastball. So that was that was the best part about it, I think. And you know, but but the thing about this weekend is, yeah, they blew they blew Eastern Illinois out. They should have. I I don't know what to take sometimes when you're facing. An opponent that is that much overmatched by by Arkansas. So, you know, if Connor L- Nolan looked really good, I wonder if the, if if uh, hitters at a higher level will lay off the curveballs that Connor got swings and misses from the Eastern Illinois batters. You know, I wonder if if some of the other hitters that will face from LSU, from Mississippi State, from Ole Miss. If Patrick Wicklander falls behind in the count against them, like he did on Saturday, what is that going to mean against a better lineup? You know, where he can wiggle through that uh, against EIU, it's going to be tougher to do that against against the other teams he faces this year. So that that's why, you know, this weekend for me, it was it was good to see for the most part the staff threw a lot of strikes, guys made hard contact. They ran the bases hard. They played really well. But I just don't know what to learn from watching them go up against EIU. They're going to be tougher playing against themselves, to be quite honest. I I think they were happy playing against another team. But when they scrimmage, it's a tougher game than it is playing against EIU.
1: Phil, uh, who's going to be our dominant closer this year, like we've seen over the past couple of seasons? Is it going to be cops, or is it going to be kind of a rotation of uh, guys that whoever the hot hand is.
2: You know, I I think, Joe, it's going to work itself out to where at first there'll be a rotation of closers or just different pitchers that get an opportunity to close a game down. And Copps was just the first guy to get that chance. But I I think that the job is open for any number of pitchers, Um, like a guy like Elijah Trest or Jacob Burton. You know, if those kids can throw strikes more consistently, especially with their fastball. They just, they really, they have great velocity and they have the kind of demeanor, I think, that you want for a closer. I know they want Debulon Vermillion to have a shot at that, big six-foot-seven right-hander, um, but he's been sidelined with a hamstring injury um, for the last couple of weeks, so I'm, I'm not sure how close he is to being ready to go. You know, that's the, you know, I mean, they're, they're going to score a ton of runs. You know, the, the questions are, is there enough starting pitching depth and who's going to serve in the back of the bullpen? And can those arms be consistent and, and not be behind in the count and not walk batters and put themselves in a situation where they need somebody to come out of the pen and save them?
0: Phil, I got Heston the set at the over-under of 90 dingers this season. What say you?
2: Oh. <laughs> well, I tell you what, John, like the, the school record's 24, and he's <laughs> already got <laughs> four of them. So I don't see why why he doesn't have a shot at setting a school record, single-season home run. Um, he, the frightening thing about this is that Dave Van Horn has said that the ball is coming off Kerstad's bat harder than it was before. And it was coming off his bat as a freshman in a ridiculously hard way. I, I, I think he's gotten really good at shrinking his strike zone or just not chasing pitches where, in other cases, he might chase. The only way to get Kerstad out now is for him to get himself out. So he's he's going to put together a monster year. And, and I think it, it'll be the sort of season that competes for Golden Spikes I don't want to put a level on where where his batting average or on base percentage will end up, but I do think 25 home runs is definitely within the realm of possibility.
1: We're talking to Phil Elson on the West End Cigars Hotline. Phil, who's another player or players that we can look to to possibly hit double-digit home runs?
2: Uh, I think Franklin can hit double-digit home runs. He hit six home runs last year without even really knowing how to turn on the ball. So I think he's one guy. Obviously, Casey Martin is an easy answer because he's hit double-digit homers each of the couple years he's been at Arkansas. Um, I don't know if I'd say Casey Opitz is going to be a, a double-digit home run guy. I think Matt Goodhart could. Goodhart's an interesting hitter because he's, a, la- he's a, a laser machine. It's all hard line drives and really hard grounders down the lines. But he started to hit the ball higher in the air. end of last season and Dave Dave told me he thought Matt could hit for more power than he showed last season so I think I think Goodhart could be a a 10 11 13 home run guy and then the newcomers Braden Webb and and Cole Austin also uh, I know they're expecting some power from Austin and Webb hit one off the the right field pole I think the second game that he played in his his first half out of that game so really you could end up with five or six players that are our double digit home run totals so i mean they had what 85 last year i think it was 98 the year before i think this team will hit somewhere in the middle um between that uh and have a shot at getting to 100 depending on how many games they play in the postseason
0: well, Phil, let me ask you this, because we know how good Arkansas is. We know that they have all the talent, all the pieces around them to make another run to Omaha. But just from your observation, what would you say would be the one thing that could keep this team from Omaha? Where's the kind of the weakness, if they have a weakness, coming from?
2: Well, it, it's, the, it's the wondering about the starting pitching depth, you know, because I think Connor and Patrick are going to be pretty good. Um, the question is, who, can Blake Adams secure that third spot? If it's not Adams, who else can it be? Can Cole Ramage, I think Ramage, they'll look at him as a starter this weekend against Gonzaga. Uh, they might give Cops another opportunity to start, maybe a lefty like Caden Monk. So maybe one of those things that could be a downfall would be depth of starting pitching or just that nobody emerges to take that third role. And the other is, is that... Is that the guys that are slotted for back of the bullpen maybe aren't ready for prime time? You know, aren't ready to command their stuff enough to hold a one run lead late. I, I really don't think that the, that offensively this team's going to be challenged enough to where that's going to be the thing that holds them back. Uh, there's enough speed to stay out of a the slump. Um, there's enough pressure that this lineup puts on opposing pitchers that if you get them out. One time through the order or two times through the order, a pitcher is just too mentally ground down to do it a third time. And I think they'll wear opposing pitching staffs down. The one question is, is whether or not they can hold the lead late. I think that there's the depth to do that. It's just these guys haven't served those roles yet. So until, until they show it, you know, this weekend against Gonzaga or next weekend in the tournament in, in Houston against uh, some Big 12 opponents that's when you'll start to get more of a sense of who Dave Van Horn and Matt Hobbs will trust in the seventh, eighth, and ninth innings. And that's really when rubber meets road.
1: Phil, for the listeners out there that don't know anything about Blake Adams, tell us more about Blake Adams.
2: Well, I didn't watch Adams pitch Sunday. I was in Oxford. But from what I know, I mean, he's a a big kid at the the
1: age he's come into as a a true
2: freshman. He's out of Springdale Harbor High School. Um, I think – throws anywhere, he's sitting about ninety two miles an hour up to ninety four. Casey Martin said he's got a, a really good, powerful slider low in the zone. But uh EIU squared up a couple of his balls yesterday, which which will happen. And his first career started Arkansas, so um, but just the fact that he was given the opportunity to start on a Sunday in his first in his first weekend at Arkansas is pretty big. Uh, but I do wonder if if he'll if he'll hold the third spot very long. I think they really trust Cole Ramage to come out of a bullpen right now. I know Dave likes to use Ramage with men on base and insert him in the middle of the game, and Cole's fastball velocity was up at 93. So I think Ramage could actually be somebody that's uh, uh, very, very important for this team.
0: All right, Phil, I want to switch up gears just a little bit with you. I know you got to see the Razorback basketball game, men's basketball game. Uh, with the loss to Mississippi State, you were there in person. I mean, it, it, these this team keeps losing games by such a slim margin. I see that the, in their nine losses this year, seven of them have been by five points or less. Uh, I mean, how does this team get over this hump, or is it simply just getting Isaiah Joe back? I, I'm trying to figure out what it is about this team that's ca- that's costing them these games late when it seems like they're in perfect position to take the win.
2: I know, I know, and it's like you can, you would just say, it's like, come on, there's, we've been talking rebounding so much this season, and they rebounded so well against Mississippi State, but there's just one more rebound, and you wouldn't be worried about it from Saturday. It's always something, John, and that's the problem right now, you know, and, there just isn't a, there isn't a margin for error with this team right now. You know, if you, if you have a tough defensive day and commit 30 fouls with the officials, you know, blow their whistle a few more times than you should have, that's a downfall for them. Or missing free throws, too many free throws missing always seems to be a downfall. I don't know, man. I mean, right now they feel, feel snake bitten for, for a team that, that was short on depth and just short on size. There just isn't a lot of of margin for error, you know, to be able to come back from something that does you in. You know, I mean, you you come back from down seventeen and 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 just one more rebound, it's deflating. It's like you'd almost rather lose the way you lost to Tennessee, because you think, well, there'll be games like that here and there, and we'll get them back. But you know, it's like you try to climb this mountain over and over again, and now that mountain has. You just end up falling down the mountain before you get to the top of it. I, I just hope there's not a cumulative effect upon this team that that you feel like this season could go one of two ways. Like they could totally crater because you just get frustrated from playing well, just well enough to lose by one possession over and over again. We'll talk- but I do have a philosophy that I think is true. Like a team that loses close games consistently, it means one of two things. One, they're just missing that one little thing to get them over the edge or they're not a good team. And this, I don't think it's that they're a bad team. I think that they're just missing that one little thing to get them over the edge. Is Isaiah Joe that thing? I'd have a tough time arguing right now that he's not.
1: We're talking to Phil Elson, voice of women's Razorback Basketball and Razorback Baseball on the West End Cigars Hotline. Phil, let's talk about the women's team and an explosive team and all these points they're putting up here lately, how are they able to do that?
2: Because well, nobody knows which direction it's coming from. In any direction it comes from, it might go through the hoot. It's uh, <laughs> they just are are clicking right now on all cylinders, and I think they were really keyed up for the Kentucky game last Sunday. Uh, you know, it's been ten years since they beat Kentucky. It's it's a uh, it's a benchmark that I think they. You know they were disappointed losing to South Carolina, but also understanding that Carolina is number one in the country for a reason. Um, but they felt they had a real good shot against Tennessee or against uh, Kentucky and go out and put up 103 on the number 15 team in the country and 65 points in the second half. I mean, seriously, that's ridiculous. I don't know many teams that score 100 points back to back games. It's never happened at Arkansas. I don't think it's happened in the SEC for women's basketball this year. I don't think there are many men's teams that score 100 points in back-to-back games. You know, and in order to do, you know, the crazy thing about yesterday, guys, 108 points, nobody scored more than 19. It wasn't that anybody, mm-hmm. you know, exploded for like a, you know, 28 or a 35-point game. Chelsea Dungey led them with 19 points. I'm sorry, it was Alexis Tolstoy, 19 points. So Mike, Mike Neighbors told me after the game, he says, a lot of sixes add up after a while, and sure enough, I mean, there are six, three other players with six points, five players, four double figures, threes coming from every angle. They score in so many ways, get to the rim, hit the three. They've got three players they can count upon to hit a three-pointer, even in the clutch or if they're down or if they need somebody to pick them up out of the gutter. They're deep. Um, they can play fast for an entire 40 minutes, and it is ridiculously fun to watch them right now.
0: All right, Phil. Before we let you get out of here, man, this is something I'm going to discuss later in the show. That's just been bugging the absolute crap out of me, and that is Ole Miss baseball. I'm starting to hate them more than anybody else in college baseball. <laughs> this celebration, the hair, the the chubby guys, and it seems like everyone just loves them. I hate them. Why? Did like, I talk me off the ledge here? Am I wrong for having a disdain for how they played, the way they celebrated in that victory against Louisville? And am I am I in the wrong here? Am I being a little over the top about it? <sighs>
2: Yeah, you want me to defend Ole Miss baseball? I mean, that's, like, that's, like, that's like asking Trump to defend the Democrats right now. I mean, um, we'll put it this way. So the the, the celebration we're referring to, the strike him out, throw him out by Ole Miss to, to end Sunday's rubber match against Louisville, I'll give Ole Miss a pass for that because the kids threw him out from his knees for crying out loud. And Louisville was the number one or number two team in the country, depending on what poll you're looking at. That's a huge series win for Ole Miss. And I guess it's good for the SEC, too, anyway. But, you know, I'll give him a pass for the uh, for the celebration. I will say, I don't know if I've ever seen anybody spike a baseball before like that. <laughs> it was like, it should have been, you know, John Reese Plumlee is, a, is a, an outfield for Ole Miss. I feel like he should have, you know, spiked the ball like a football uh, in celebration. But, yeah, I saw the second baseman's, uh, what do you call it? He had uh, platinum blonde hair. Yeah, the the slugger you're talking about looks like what's his name? His name is uh, he he's, he and Heston Kerssatter are sharing the league player of the week award. Um, JUCO guy looks like Kenny uh, Kenny Powers. <laughs> yeah, um, that's, that guy that guy be easy to root for. Actually, I mean he's got he's got like you know, half <laughs> his belly hanging over his belt buckle for crying out loud. So. Uh, believe me, I don't get with Ole Miss as far as some of their weird celebrations and some of the stuff they pull off, but I do respect them for the most part as a talented baseball program, and I'll give them their celebration because that's a really incredible way, not just to end a game, but to win a series and beat number one in the country. I'll give them a pass for now.
0: All right, well, I'm not going to give him a pass for that, Phil, so I'll be on the other end okay. of it for you. So we'll we'll, we'll still make okay. it work, though. We'll still make it work, but it just makes that uh, super regional victory from last season that much sweeter for me to know uh, that Arkansas was the one that bounced him out. So maybe we'll have a rematch this year, and then I know it'll be a great one if that ends up happening. Phil Elson, the voice of Razorback baseball and Razorback women's basketball. Appreciate it, Phil. Enjoy the rest of the season, man. I know we'll be catching up with you.
2: All right, John, Joe, it's good to talk to you guys. Hope you're having fun together.
1: You are Locked on Razorbacks, your daily Arkansas Razorbacks podcast.
0: Well, appreciate everybody listening in to the Locked on Razorbacks podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or on Google Play. You can also get after me on Twitter at BuzzJohnNeighbors for any questions, comments, concerns that you may have. We'll keep it going from there. Same podcast time, same podcast channel tomorrow afternoon. Have a great day, everybody. We will see you then.
1: You are locked on Razorbacks, your daily Arkansas Razorbacks podcast.